This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When the kids are asleep, that's when dad has time to play. Welcome to the Geeky Dad After Dark. Okay, I'm here with uh, the Bruce Lee of comics because he kicks ass, John Lee's. <laughs> Yeah. He's a different yeah. league. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And I think the first three letters of the Suns were the only thing I might have in common with. I've only fancy my chances against him in a fight. No, no, no. I'm sure you're a, I'm sure you're a better writer, at least. <laughs> okay. How's it been? Uh, it's going good. Um, I feel like I've been keeping busy. I, obviously, I feel bad saying it's going good since it seems like it's just a constant stress nightmare everywhere in the world right now but um yeah no like as all things going in terms of like my little corner of things that i can control i feel like i've been productive lately i've managed to get a bit i feel like i'm the busiest now that i've been in a long time maybe ever um in terms of the amount of workload i've had and i feel like there's been some cool stuff that's came out and some cool stuff still come out so yeah i'd say things are going okay yeah you know uh I've known you for over 10 years now. Uh, and Back when we were both fresh-faced, young yeah. comics. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we met probably 10 years ago at Comic-Con in New York. Yeah, New York Comic-Con. I was in the first New York Comic-Con I went to that I met you in 2011. Yeah, and uh, you were, um, you had the book The Standard. Yeah, and you yeah. had Dream Reavers. Yeah, and uh, you know, not, not a lot of people know this, but John here, he did a forward for uh, one of my graphic novels called yeah. Technomancer, and you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's probably you know uh, the nicest thing I've ever read anybody ever wrote for me. <laughs> <laughs> and and what now that now that he's a superstar, that's gonna be uh, worthwhile something. Oh, with my tens of fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You have more than that. You know? <laughs> yeah, you uh, got some recent big news. Uh, yeah, you want to tell everybody about it? Um, yeah. Um, well, one of the big pieces of news that dropped is uh, Deadline Hollywood announced that my comic book Hotel, um, which is a horror anthology series, um, from AW Studios, which I do with the artist Albertal H, um, colorist Lee Lowridge and letterer Sal Cipriano, um, they announced that it's going to be getting developed for film. Um, and L. Callahan, who is a really talented uh, writer-director. Um, she did a movie called Headcount, which I saw. It's on Shudder. I was definitely on Shudder in the UK. I don't know if it's on Shudder in the US, but it's on Shudder in the UK, and I watched it before I knew she was going to be doing, you know, like my <laughs> film, and I thought, this is a really good film. And she's got yeah. a bright future ahead of her. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Her <laughs> um, future would involve adapting with my books. So, yeah, it's really exciting news. Obviously, it's early days yet. Like, I know, like, it's a long path to getting stuff made and you know, right yeah how often yeah. like you know we see we hear the news like um this 
move this book's getting made in a movie, and then it's maybe like a couple of years, you know, or more before anything happens with it. So I know it's the long game, but it's exciting to see movement in that front. It's just exciting that there's interest in a project like this. And Hotel has been like the little hit that could in terms of it was a start didn't have had didn't have the most suspicious of beginnings because the week it was released in shops is the week that like everything yeah, walked. I know through. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> you COVID know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, remember, remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking this book's cursed straight off the bat. No one's going to get a chance to see this. But no, I found this audience, folk have been really kind of like, you know, it's been quite taken aback by how much this has resonated with people and how much they've really enjoyed it. And then, like, that demand led to a volume two coming out. And now, as I say, we've got um, the news of the film coming. So, yeah, I mean, very exciting. yeah. It, hopefully, because of the, the news uh, of the movie, more people will go and check out the book. You know. Yeah, like I'm a salesman at heart. So the first thing I did in the news broke was posted a link to my big cartel store saying back with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sure the publishers are also very happy for that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the publishers, you know, have been really excited about it too. Like AWA have been making like big moves. Um they the first thing they announced was like their book Chariot. Um that's getting um, made, I think it's the director. I'm not sure if it's the director, it's definitely the writer, maybe the director as well. The director of Top Top Gun Mavericks. Doing, oh, like, yes, that. yes, yeah, yeah, um, I heard about that, yeah. Yep. And then, like, they announced Old Taunts is getting adapted. So, yeah, no, it's exciting to see them, you know, doing a lot. Actually, and, like, they've got a good lineup of books, so it's exciting to be part of that. I met that director one time. We almost had a... a... Chance to do Dreamweavers, but it never panned off. Yeah, yeah, no, like, that, that, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, it's like I've had conversations about like old, older books, you know, that I thought, like, you know, oh, I'm not sure focus up reading this now, like, you know, but the thing is, these things, they, it's not like, you know, the comics don't have an opening weekend as such, like, they're, they're always out there ready to begin discovering exactly. stuff, especially. Yeah. In the age right now where content is king, you've got all these streaming services, you've got that, everyone's on the lookout for new stuff to adapt. Like, you know, I think yeah. like, you know, a lot of stuff's going to find a new life in different mediums. Yeah, right now, you know, uh, Disney's scraping the barrel of everything from Marvel. So, you know, they got nothing else. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's not just Marvel DC. I mean, look like... Um, Netflix, one of the biggest shows in Netflix this year was what, that Heartstoppers? That's a... Uh, graphic novel series that are yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, yeah. there's like, oh, there's more to comics than just superheroes. There's like kind of different yeah. types of stories out there. So Sweet Tooth yeah. also was pretty good at Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet Tooth. Well, Sweet Tooth is one of my all-time favorite comics as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so it was exciting to see that get adapted. But yeah, no, so it's exciting to see like all that kind of stuff happening. And uh, the weird thing was that I've been waiting like two news stories breaking and they both happened in like 24 hours of each other. Because first, like, you know, the the hotel news came out then like within a day of that also we got to announce that um my series with vault comics um the nasty that's going to be launching in september i'm doing that with the artist george combatties um and it's gonna be a lot of fun so it's cool to see like just as my first week so i like line up a bunch of books from 2022 finished now I get to start doing the promoting to the next lot are coming out there yeah yeah i mean uh i actually i got done with like three different um graphic novels myself but because of covid the the publishing company that i had got it um was going to be publishing it they had problems because of financial stuff with the covid yeah, I, think, you know. I think all the publishers were hitting the same yeah I so the same stories, it's you know, like, like my my the three books that i got are all in limbo right now <laughs> that's a story i've heard from a lot of folk and i was the same place like you know the crimson cage which just came out um 
this year, I think it just well, just became I think it's the launch December 2021, but it's mostly been a 2022 book. That was supposed to come out like 2020, you know, but then like like the week after we signed the contract, and it'd be quite a long time getting the contract just right and getting it all sorted. And then like I remember saying to Alex Cormack, the artist, after we finally signed in the dotted line, like February 2020, and I said to him, like in a chat, I was like, short of society itself with the note crumbling, this book <laughs> is definitely coming out in 2020. So obviously the pandemic's my fault because like within like three weeks right, of right, that, right. Like, you know, everyone was locked down. Um, you know, so I think I've, all the publishers have been the same place, like, you know, but no, like I think like it seems like more and more the stuff's starting to write, the ship's starting to get right. Yes, yes. So I, I, like I just started, I just got news right. from my publisher, yeah, that uh, they're planning to restart stuff soon. So hopefully... I'll have some of my stuff up and <laughs> up and running yeah. soon. Yeah, that's the main reason I started the podcast because you know I had to keep my name out there somehow. You know, so it was a way to like uh, you know. No, it's been a successful yeah. podcast. I was just looking up today, like you know, and like it's up in the charts and like yeah, know, yeah, doing well. Yeah, I got I got a, I got two shows. I'm working on a third spinoff now, so. Uh, a video game related one. So you know, yeah, it's so all, got a it's whole all like good. multimedia brand going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. I think I don't know if it's because more people have been kind of like stuck at home and they you know they'll be with people like yeah. you know in the real world. But more and more I've seen a whole bunch of whether whether it be podcasts or YouTube shows, more and more I'm seeing a lot lots of not only new ones launch, but new ones launch to have a really engaged, active audience. And you'll see, like, you know, they have, like, you know, like, you know, you'll see when it's like when they live streams or whatever, and you'll see, like, all the people that are tuning in are waiting for it to start, and they're all interacting, they're all talking to each other and talking to the hosts. It's like a whole community thing. And then, like, more and more of what I'm noticing, like, I've not been in that many conventions since this all started, but I did go to Thought Bubble down in Harrogate mm-hmm. uh, in England, and... I kept on getting folk coming up and saying, oh, I'm, I'm here because, like, I watched, like, this YouTube show or I listened to that podcast and I heard you talking and, like, you know, I wanted to. And this really became a way that folk, like, more and more, like, that's how folk engage with comics and how they find out about new stuff is by, like, listening to podcasts and, you know, by watching these shows. Yeah, you should talk, start a podcast yourself. You know, I always like when you do your movie reviews. You know, or you the thing is, I'm cursed with this voice, so like you know, <laughs> oh, come on, I can, I understand you perfectly. Way, what's this in? You know, what's that? What's it all about? I remember, like, I did, uh, um, I was on a panel at New York Comic Con one year, and it was like. Yeah, you know, like, there's one of the ones with a big stage and have, like, the person, like, kneeling down in the front doing, like, the sign language, you know, like, to translate what people are saying for, like, the audience that are, like, hearing impaired that sit on the front row. And, like, when I started talking, the person doing sign language kind of just, like, stopped and looked over. <laughs> like, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'm I mean, not trying to on your own I'm not, I'm not doing that I have no problem I don't know what's wrong with people <laughs> you know I think you uh, that accent should be a, a, a real you know a, a good way to pick up uh, chicks you know <laughs> I don't have I'm an not, accent at all over here they all sound like that so it doesn't well that's the problem that's the problem <laughs> I need to move to America <laughs> you gotta move to America yeah <laughs> Uh, no, I like my healthcare. Maybe not. Oh yeah, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> Canada's good. So you know, uh, when you get a, a project like this uh, greenlighted, um, are you going to be involved in the script, or are you going to have any um, involvement? 
at all per se. I mean, it, it varies. I think like you know, there's been some things you know, like, like there's other projects in various stages of development. You know, that I've had conversations and they've said like you know, either oh, we'd love you to be involved in writing, you know, or um, it's like you know, we'd like you know, like we'd love to be have you involved in the process. I think AWE have a kind of very kind of like they have because they have their own whole studio and stuff. Like and it's part of their studio setup. They're like they they're, they're building up like an in-house roster of writers and directors and stuff that know what they're doing. So essentially, I think with them, like you know, it's going to be they're writing their own version of it. And to be honest, I'm fine with that. I and mean, like you know, yeah. I wrote the comic. Like you know, I'm happy with how the comic turned out. I'm not a screenwriter. Like I'm happy for like you know someone to. To do their take on it, like you know, and not be burdened by me looking over their shoulder and going, yeah. mm, you're not, like, you're not you know, like Alan Moore, you know, you're not oh, no, like, you know, for me, it's, it's everything that gets no, me. It's, it's a new medium, so let it be like a new story. I'm not, it doesn't have to be beholden, it doesn't have to like do everything to the letter the way I did it. I don't see the comic as a sacred text. Um, yeah, I don't know I why he gets like, so upset all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'd rather like I'd rather they take the concept and do their own thing with it and make it like an El Callahan movie rather than like you know, right, 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 draw an adaptation of a John Lee's call. Obviously, it will be an adaptation, but don't just be like a straight a straight translation. Do their own thing with it. As long right. as I get invited to the premiere, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> That's not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so the book is an anthology, right? Yeah, well, the basic premise of it is for anybody who hasn't read Hotel, um, it's one, if you have not read it, buy it. Um, it's available on my online shop if you haven't heard my plug already. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, but, I'll, um, provide, I'll provide a link at, yeah, at, within um, the uh, episode. You guys yeah, can check and, it out. And also you can get it on Amazon as well for cheap, you know, in various comic shops. But yeah, the premise of Hotel is um, it's a horror anthology series set in this old roadside hotel um, off Route 66 called Piero Courts. Officially, it doesn't exist. You won't find it on any map. Um, but if you're driving alone down Route 66 and you're truly desperate for sanctuary or secrecy or safety, uh, perhaps you'll see the sign on the end of the road saying next exit on the left. Um, but if you take that exit and you end up at the hotel, you might wish that you'd kept on driving. <laughs> but it's yeah. a place where various types of supernatural happenings and um, people's inner demons being manifested in the form of outer demons, you know, yeah, takes place. Yeah. And, and it has a kind of like Twilight Zone, you know, creep show type old school right. horror feel. And yeah. the great thing about it is we get to do all different types of stories. We get to do mm-hmm. um, like, you know, like blackly comic kind of like, you know, like creep show type stuff. And then some of them are proper dark and proper like, yeah. You know, yeah. And so it's been, it's been a lot of fun to work in that format. I enjoy working in an anthology format, telling different types of stories. It's all the stories, like each story is a different room essentially mm-hmm. um, in the hotel. So that's the way. And then it all can connect to form a larger whole because you realize, gradually realize it's not just individual stories in an anthology, it's each chapter is seeing a perspective of a larger story from oh, like a okay. different angle. Um, so all yeah. kind of tie them together as well. Yeah. You know, it seems like it would have been, it would be. Uh, in- uh, interesting like a tv show instead of a movie right? yeah like you know like oh it's, it's one of those things where like if i was you know doing that, i would mad natural inclination might think oh yeah do it as a tv series but having said that like there's a rich tradition of um anthology horror on film as well i mean going all the way back to like dead of night in like 1940s um, yeah that's yeah. like you know a classic kind of i think i called the portmanteaus where it's like you know Kind of like each like a series of segments all connecting a larger whole of the course of a narrative or of a, right. course of a single film's runtime. Um, like again, going back to Creep Show, that did it. Um, yeah, so Creep yeah, Show. 
Yeah, so I could definitely see like you know um, it being done at a feature level. Yeah. Um, as I say, I'm as in the dark as you. I don't know what their approach is going to be. Like you know, I'm getting excited to see what happens. You know, I think it's all early days yet, but I'm looking forward to learning more about it. In these couple of years, you've been known for like a, a more horror tinge in your writing. Yeah, like you know, but I think back when we were kind of like talking to each other, like you know, at the conventions, you know, my book was a standard, which is like a superhero. Yeah, which comic. is a superhero uh, comic book, which um, you haven't done much superhero stuff since. Yeah, I mean, I still like reading superheroes, like you know, uh, like you know, I'm a big superhero fan. Like I love Batman, love Spider Man, love all that stuff. But I kind of like feel in terms of the writing side of things that I kind of like really scratched the itch with the standard, but I kind of did everything I wanted to do and right. was enough, and I like in that particular story. And then like I did like Oxymoron, which is kind of like the super villain, like that. Yes, that was a great it. one too. Yeah. Um, and so then outside of that, like my main interest has mainly been doing horror stuff. Because then, like around that time, around like late 2000s, early 2010s, like I read like Junji Ito's Uzumaki, which terrified me. And I thought, like, this is like, it shows you what's possible in comics. I've always loved horror. And I thought, like, but I was never really sure how well you could do horror in comics. And this kind of it's hard to eye. do horror in comics. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, the main, the main reason my horror's hard in comics is um, a horror novel. Is effective because what a horror novel does is it uses words to try and encourage the reader to paint a picture in their mind that's going to be far scarier than anything you can actually show them. Like, for example, that's the reason why no movie of the portrait of Dorian Gray's ever worked because right, there's no yeah. image or special effect that can draw a portrait which is scary as the one that the reader imagines in their head. Yeah, it's always in the reader's mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the comic doesn't have that advantage because it's a visual medium, like you have to show it, it has to be yeah. scarier than what the reader would imagine. Um, and then also like horror movies are effective because they're like 90% sound, like you know, to be honest, like you know, you put you know the Benny Hill music on, like when Halloween, <laughs> like, you know, it's not gonna be scary, like no, you know, no, no, no. Like for me, the scab always said the scariest movies are the ones that are still scary when you're your eyes are closed, like, you know, like yeah. The Shining, you know, right, uh, yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, and, for, and obviously comics don't have sound, they don't have the jump scare, they don't have, like, you know, yeah. like, the sound design, you know, so I guess it's entirely visual, so you don't, so it's like the worst, the, weird, the worst of both worlds in some ways, you're working in a real sense of real limitations, so you really have to be, you know, you really have to kind of explore how to kind of, like, you know, replicate those feelings and try and convince people, like, Instead of like a jump scare, like how can you build up to a really good page turn reveal that shocks somebody, you know, or how can you know that? How can you build tension? How can you kind of like lace in ideas? How can you, if you're working with an artist, how can you have them craft imagery which is going to linger in the reader's head and somehow be worse than what they imagined they were going to see? <laughs> so it's like yeah. a challenge, but I think when it's done well, um, it is it can be really effective. Yeah. So you know, uh, have you ever? Uh thought about maybe doing um different type of writing maybe like uh writing a novel or writing a script for a movie or you know branching out like you know i've done screenplays and stuff and like you know i actually started off doing screenplays before i did um comics like i remember in university i was studying film and tv and they wrote like a short film that was going to be so I was going to be do after I graduated, and then that fell through, and then the budget that I had for that is what I used towards like, you know making the right. film my stomach. You yeah. Know? But so I've, so I've worked with screenwriting and stuff. Um, but the disadvantage with screenwriting is um, when you're writing for film, you have an idea in your head, 
and then you write a screenplay, but then the process of actually making the movie is right, okay, here's my idea, and how can I strip that down to into something that I'm able to film because you know the budget that I have. And there is no budget in comics. You say, well, that's a budget, it's the budget. <laughs> but that's not like you know, production budget. You know, you can do anything, you can go to space, you can do whatever, you can have yeah, monsters. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that that's one of the things I love about comics. I've done prose as well, I've done more prose than I've done like screenwriting. Uh, but I you know. And I, and I think like prose has its advantages. Like, you know, I really love how you can like do with the, this the unlimited space you have in prose as opposed to comics. You're always having to be judicious with the amount of space you use. Yes. I know, yeah. But I think, but also writing books is kind of lonely. Like, you know, I quite like the process of comics where you're writing something that they're sending to an artist and the artist is kind of like vibing off of it and then like, yeah, you know, add and they're taking and it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes more. when you're vibing with the artist and they come up with a scene that looks better than what you thought sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah, that, that's what I always said. Though. I've always I said the exact same thing, which is, you know, the only thing better than a comic page turning out like exactly how you imagined it is it turned out completely different from how you imagined it. Yeah. Better, you know? and, yeah. and, and that's what I think is exciting about comics, the collaboration. It's like, you know, um, anything that I do, like me and like, I don't know, Ian Laurie, making something that's going to be different from like me and Alex Cormack making something or like Ian Laurie and another writer like Fraser Campbell like you know you know it's the combination of like the writer and artist coming together kind of is going to make something that's different than either one of you would make on your own and that's always an interesting kind of like dynamic to play with mm-hmm. and always think that kind of level of like collaboration um always makes it a really kind of like enjoyable kind of process mm-hmm. now let's have some fun here now um now Let's say uh, Marvel came up to you and approached you and said, you have free reign to take only one character and write however you want with that one character. Which character would that be? It could be DC too. All right. Well, I'll start off with Marvel and I'll just DC because you said Marvel first. But like for me, like one, I kind of wary of like doing like an ongoing so I kind of like anytime an artist or a writer gets assigned to an ongoing they become like the worst hack in the world everybody right hates, yeah blah, blah, then you in terms of like the quality of the writers in terms of like the scrutiny they're under the amount of times yeah. I've seen like you know a Marvel or DC writer they'll be on Twitter and the post like you know here's a photo of me having a lovely time on holiday with my wife and young son you know everything's great like we're just having it and then someone's replied down like you know how dare you change Batman's continuity like that <laughs> you know I mean, I'm going to kill you you know and it's like you know I, I know. know if I can handle that pressure I know but Scott Snyder right, gets you know, that all the time yeah, so I might want so I might kind of like say give me like some little out of continuity thing that I can do on my own that's not messing with the main series, you know. Yeah. Um, but if I would choose any character to work with, it would put, for Marvel it would probably be Spider-Man. Um, ah, okay. Spider-Man fan for all my life. And even though it's a bit of a basic choice, like you know, I just think like you know, that's a character I love that I could do some like interesting things with. And similarly, um with with DC I have an even more basic choice. Like, you know, I've always wanted to write Batman. Oh, yeah. I think you'd be really good at Batman, actually. That's like the bucket list thing. But, like, I kind of like, you know, I love having professional and I love having that kind of like really kind of like polished principal, you know, principled answer. You know, I know where I say, oh, like, I always want to be telling my own stories. Like, I want to do create your own. If someone said, like, you know, Batman, I'd be like, Drop everything away, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um, no, but again, like you know, like in DC, maybe there's more scope for this. Like, you know, I'd love to do like you know, a black label Batman book, like, okay, you know, yeah, it's own, like weird thing, like you know, and do like I don't know, like me and Laurie doing like kind of like 
mad and then Emily was gone style, like, you know, weird <laughs> lynching Batman yeah. story. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun to do. Um, but yeah, as I say, I, I think I've approached it in my head as it'd be really fun if I get to do this one day, but if I don't, like, I want to still have built up a body of work that I'm happy with. So yes. that's yeah. really nice, but I feel even if it doesn't happen, um, I'm happy with stuff I'm doing. Yeah, well, you know, I think sooner or later, one of those two companies are going to contact you soon, okay? Because you're blowing up every day, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not in terms of spontaneously combusting. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but yeah, no, now, it would be nice to see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you like to swim a lot, right? What's that? You like to swim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said, oh, you like sumo? And I was like, what? No, I know you did <laughs> yeah. a comic book uh, about swimming, right? I did, yeah. Um, that's one of, my, like, one of my favorite things that I've written. It was a very off-brand for me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the horror guy for most people. I know. When yeah. I saw that, I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's yeah. it's so him because he loves swimming. I know he, yeah. that, that'll be yeah, perfect so for him. Yeah, so for me, I always was quite close to my heart. It's like, you know, like a gentle, like, swimming rom-com. Um but it turns out publishers like you know weren't ready for like the rom-com John. Like, right, right. So I ended up never so it ended up like we couldn't get a publisher for it. Um, we did the first two issues and then I got hired for a bunch of other stuff. And Jules Rivera, the artist, um, she got picked up to do Mark Trail, like she does in the Mark Trail newspaper strip now. Uh-huh. So it feels like I'll talk to I'll talk, I still talk to Jules quite often. Every time we talk, we always go, "Oh yeah, we we'll, we need to find the time to get back to Depender sometime soon." And then like it never happens, you know, because we're both so busy. And the next time we meet up, we say, oh, "You know, oh yeah, we need to get back to Defender soon." So we do, we do, we do both want to do it, but I don't know when we'll get back to it. Hopefully, some hopefully before we die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Jules is a really good artist. I like her work. Oh yeah, and I'm a big fan of Jules. Jules is one of my favorite people in comics. Jules is one of those folk who. Um, when I think about people that I'm sad that I've not seen in a few years because I've not been at conventions in the US, she's one of the top names that pops up, like, you know, Jules and some of the comics drive folk, uh, you know. So, yeah, no, I'm a big, big fan of Jules. I was happy, I was really, you know, enjoyed the process of working with her on Depender and hopefully we'll work together again, whether it be on Depender or something else. <laughs> yeah, so how has it been um, around your area with the COVID? Uh, um, is, it, is it really bad over there right now? Um... Well, right now, cases are on the rise, apparently. It's hard to tell because, like, you know, they've stopped, you know, making tests as easily available and they've stopped right. reporting the numbers as much, you know. So they say, oh, the numbers are going down, but, like, are they really going down? Is it just the less people are, like, logging the numbers? Well, you know? I, got, I, but, I got sick with COVID, like, two weeks ago, so. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel that the problem is I kind of feel that there's no, there's, like, this lack of a happy medium, like, like I mentioned Thought Bubble last year that I went to in England. That was a convention where we went there and um, they took some like basic precautions, you know, like things were starting to open up again, but wasn't fully opened up. So they had, they opened up, but they had ventilation, they had social distancing policies, they had mask policies, right. and they had like, you know, you had to have a proof of vaccination before you get in. Yeah. Um, and with those basic common sense like you know allowances you know and compromises from there you then got to have something which was some somewhat like going back to like um how things used to be but right. with reassurance as well that for me feels like a nice balance but it kind of feels like we've got to the point where everyone's just went 
nah, let's just forget all that. Let's just, you know, yeah. abandon yeah. social distance and abandon masks. Let's just go hog wild. And, you know, if we, if we get COVID, <laughs> we get COVID, who cares, you know? And, yeah. you know, and for me, like, that's going to be real nervous again. Like, you know, um, I never, like, I was going to actually come back to New York this year for New York Comic Con. Um, but I never got a table um, and I applied for Artist Alley, you know. But then, like, I was still going to come along, like, you know, in a pro badge and move just to hang out. But then the more I thought about it, the more I started thinking, like, I don't know if I'm ready to be, like, you know, in a jam-packed, you know. Yeah, and that place is, like, COVID, like no, stuck in a sardine can. <laughs> Everybody's, like, so close together there. Yeah, no, for me, like, that's just too much for me, I kind of feel like. And, um, I mean, I, I would come home every year from New York sick, even before COVID, you know, just something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's called con- conflict. Yeah, contract, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, so like that was before COVID, so I don't know what we'd be like now. So I think maybe, you know, if you were to ask me to paint a picture in my head of like, you know, vector of disease, like it would probably be like the bathrooms and like Javits Center, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no, so maybe I'll, I'll give it another year before I head back um, into mm. the convention free full throttle. But now, in terms of like how things are going here, like, you know, I mean, knock on wood, I've not um, been sick with COVID yet. Um, right. my, my close, my sort of like closest family haven't been sick with it yet. Like, you know, have you done any like uh, signings? Uh, locally, there. Um, the only signings that I've really had have been I could have like when the Crimson Cage launched late last year. I did a signing at my local Forbidden Planet in Glasgow, mm-hmm. um, and that went well. Um, Crimson Cage for for anyone who doesn't know, um, is my book that's kind of launched, um, late last year into this year. It's with Alex Cormack, who's the artist of Sync. It's like a retelling of William Shakespeare's Macbeth set against the backdrop of like 1980s pro wrestling. Wow. Um, which, which is an idea I've had in my head for years. You know, so getting to this was like a dream project. Um, and it's been such a blast working on it and seeing the way people responded to it. I think it's my favorite thing I've ever written. Um, it sounds I, awesome. Yeah, Just no, from this description. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm not like, not like, you know, I'm trying not to be like, you know, modest and, you know, fake ones. I mean, I think I'm a pretty good writer. Um, like, you know, but one thing I've always sucked at is I've always sucked at pitches. I feel when I'm never, I'm doing a pitch, it's like, you know, I feel like some bad stand-up comic who's like, you know, <laughs> trying to explain a joke. Like, oh, I forgot to mention that there's this guy that does this as well. And, like, you know, and I always feel like, you know, I'm really bad at it. But with the Crimson Cage, I feel like you can say that line in like one sentence and like people will know whether they like it or not, you know, based on that one thing. So again, I was happy it was a strong pitch and like and Alex Cormack, the artist, did some career best work on it. And like we had to sign out me and Elhow in the letters and he did great. And it's just like a book and the, the whole finished package now is going to be released as a graphic novel. I'm just really proud of it. I'm really chuffed with it. I think it's the best thing I've done beginning to end and hopefully like, you know, people continue to respond to it the way they have been. So mm, yeah. I'm really pleased with the response so far and hopefully that continues is there a genre that you uh would love to to tackle that you haven't yeah. tackled yet um yeah like you know i feel like that obviously i've done plenty of horror um uh, but deep ender gave me a taste of wanting to do more comedy um uh-huh. i think you no know, and with the nasty which is the book that I announced through vault comics that's got horror elements in it as well um as part mm-hmm. of the horror imprint but that gets to really kind of play with the funny bone as well and you know I think, you know, comedy is actually really hard to write, I think, especially. Yeah, in yeah. Uh, it's actually maybe harder than horror. But, and it's like, hard to I'll, have the, the artist translate the comedy too sometimes. Yeah, like, you know, it's hard because, like, so much is that kind of, like, you know, how do you kind of, like, you know, 
do the visual, you know, because you have to, you can't just write funny lines, you have to think how's this going to work, because visually funny, like, yeah. how can you write gags, and how can you pace, use the pace, and weirdly enough, it actually works similarly to um, horror in some of the, some of the tricks, some of the tricks you have to do in terms of building to a page turn reveal, using the pacing of panels, or you having like silent beats, like, uh, you know, it works similar to horror in some of the ways, in terms of you playing comedy, but I've always said that like comedy and horror, for me, are two of the closest genres in terms of how they're linked because, right. yeah. like, they both operate in such a heightened plane of emotion, like, in terms of going beyond, like, the regular world, you know, and, like, you know, inspiring, like, visceral reactions in, like, you know, the audience, whether it be laughing or the heart getting faster and being scared. And I always remember um, seeing, I went to see Hereditary um, uh-huh. in the cinema, which is a horrific movie, like, it's really dark, really yeah. horrible, but... Um, as it got to the end, near the end, when I saw it in the cinema, people were laughing. And I think it's like, you know, it's like a nervous reaction almost. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, you, 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 you laugh like when you get, and also I think it's released attention as well. Like, for example, if I'm talking here and I'm starting to go, ah, like, you know, like, you give you a fight. When you give when you get a fight, the first thing you did after it is you laugh, like, you know, because like you release attention. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I think, like, you know, they're really linked well together, which is why I think some of the scariest horror. Or some of the funniest comedy is like just one degree off of being terrifying, and some of like the fun and some of the scariest horror is just like one degree off of being hilarious. Right. Like, that's you know, why like, I see, yeah, that's why I think like like uh, Sam Raimi's Evil yeah, Dead movies. Yeah, I, really or, did that line perfectly. Yeah, you, you know? know, or even like you know, like the one I always think of is the end of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. I, I, I laughed my ass off watching that. <laughs> I'm like, if people go that's the original, sick, right? Yeah, I'm doing the original, you yeah. know, it's the old the grandpa and he's got a hammer and he keeps on dropping it in the air, like, you know. Like, me, yeah. I, I, you know, it's horrible, but you laugh, but you know, and like, you know, and for me, I think like you know, the two genres work well together, like you know, they're nice cousins to each other. So I'd definitely be interested. And I look at the nasty and I look at like the other unannounced project I have come up this year, both of them play a lot in the comedy terrain. So that's something I'm enjoying exploring and experimenting with. Um I've danced around a couple of times, but the nasty um, is a comic. It's a kind of like coming of age um, horror comedy um, set against the backdrop of the UK's Video Nasties moral panic. Ah, okay. Now the Video Nasties, for anyone who doesn't know, is in the eighties and um, into the nineties. The story set in the nineties. Um, the authorities, like we, it was like a combination of the right-wing government and paired with like, you know, the right-wing press and like um, various kind of like moral Puritans and campaigners um, started this campaign, like horror was corrupting the minds of youth, specifically oh, okay. video horror, which at the time like was unrated, like you know, there was a lot of unrated films because they didn't have a proper rating system for home movies, you know, at the time video shots just could sell you anything. Um, and so they started getting blamed for crime and like crime rates and stuff. And like, you know, they started this kind of whole right, you know, like moral outrage campaign against video shop owners and people who bought these videos. And like, you know, we're getting charged, you know, getting taken to court and obscenity of charges and put in prison. And like, you know, it's just like the latest stuff. It was just like one of like was a line of like things that were uttered and held up as boogeyman. A decade later, it was video games, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, it's, well, there's always something like, you know, and for me, I think it's such a fascinating period of history in terms of like, the responses to it. So like that this story set against that time, that sort of like time frame. And it's a group of kids 
group of like teenage horror fans who hang out at the local video shop. It's kind of like a social hangout. But the video shop is struggling um, because, um, like, you know, like there's a new big video store competitor nearby and like the business is struggling. But their fates have been like um, turned around because they've managed to get a hold of this notorious banned film called House of Creeping Flesh, which uh-huh. nobody nobody has seen because it's been banned everywhere. Copies have been destroyed. It only has like whispered rumors about it being a cursed tape, like you know. Yeah. Um, and so what they plan to do is they managed to get together the biggest horror festival in the country. They're going to host a screening of this film and it's going to like reverse the fortunes. It's going to be saved today. So they decided to get the movie a watch before um this happens and they put it on and accidentally destroy the tape. And so then they realise like what they're going to do because a lot of people are coming to see this film. So um, they decide that um, since nobody's seen it, nobody knows what the film actually is. They're going to make their own version of it yeah. um, and try and pass it off as the real thing. Yeah, it's um, like a be kind, rewind, but like horror, yeah, right? Horror. Um, and then there's a supernatural element in there as well because the main character, Thumper, has an imaginary friend that he's carried over from his childhood who's uh-huh. like a benign version of this massive slasher murderer from his wow. favorite horror movie series. Yeah. And the more they make this film, the more this kind of like slasher starts to become real. Oh, um, okay. So, like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, bit, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a bit of a Jason type, you know. But yeah. um, he's called Red Ennis um, uh-huh. from the Labor Day series. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and yeah, like so, it's been a lot of fun to work on. I guess me, it's kind of like you know, it's a love letter to horror because I love horror, obviously. Like you know, yeah. and it's like you know, for for a movie, for a comic that has like a decapitation on the first page, it's actually <laughs> a very wholesome and like you know, uh, yeah. Tale. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds awesome. You know, you always do awesome work. You know, I love I love uh, following you through the years, and uh, thank you very much. I mean, it's funny how when I think about that, I mean, like you say, over ten years ago, like you know, it's crazy it, how comics like is yeah, you know, put together a network of friends that I've had like going back over a decade from all yeah. over the world. You know, it's quite you yeah. know great. When I met you, I, I had no kids. Now I have three kids. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, well, <laughs> I know like, it's, it's it's crazy what happens. I think yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, and they take up most of my time. So I wish I could uh, put out the input as uh, as much uh, stuff as you can, but you know those kids take up a lot of time. <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> I can imagine. Like you know, that's like a that's like a full time job in itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it was great having you on the show. Uh, you know, when we get to, when you get some more stuff to uh, promote, I would love to have you on again. You know. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure talking to you. So anything yeah. you want to back on, just let me know, and we can have another chat. Yeah, thank you so much. And remember, uh, I'm going to leave a link to uh, on, on the bottom of the page of this uh, episode, and you can um, check out all of John Lee's uh, books. Uh, we're going to go uh, give links to all the books from starting from Standard. You can still get the Standard at uh, your big cartel, right? Um, I think the standard may actually all be sold out. Man. Ooh, I think all copies okay, are vanished. Okay. You know, so maybe all, right. all my co- I'm sure you'll be able to get sync stuff, get hotel mountainhead, um, yeah. and cage, um, more right. stuff, but just not that. <laughs> oh man, so that standard was good though. You don't have it even on like comicology or anything. Oh yeah, no, it's on because on comicology you'll be able to find it over there. Okay, so we'll, we'll give links to that too. We're going to give links to everything that you got. Yeah. All right, and uh, everybody who hasn't checked them out before, you should check them out now. And you, you'll, get, you'll get hooked to his writing as I have, okay? So, uh, John, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I hope you have a good night. Yeah, thank you. You too. <laughs>
This episode is sponsored by Audible. You know, you can get thousands of great selections of audiobooks, plus exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. And, you know, you can get theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and best of all, even podcasts like this one. And all you need to do is go to audibletrial.com slash thegeekydadpodcast. And you'll get 30 days free when you sign up. You know, when you download titles, you know, you can listen to them offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across devices without losing your spot. And if you can't decide what you want to listen to, don't worry. You can keep the credits for up to a year. And then you can binge them all in a whole series if you like. So, go to audibletrial.com slash podcast and get your free trial on us. Help out the show. Help out yourself. And listen to great audiobooks with A-list talent narrating. Right now, I'm listening to Artemis, narrated by Rosario Dawson. You know, it feels cool to have uh, like uh, a celebrity narrating to you. It makes you feel special. So, try it out. <laughs> 